The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. John Scholes along with uh, John Pincus doing all the heavy lifting on the show today. John Pincus here, courtesy of Sanfiru Tamarkan LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm on Google, on Canada. Within the country, so check it out anytime you want to Google that. You can uh, get that information. I, uh, I kid you not, it is absolutely true. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can email using that email address, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And uh, in just a bit, we'll get to everything you need to know about medical leaves. That is on the way. But John, a couple things to uh, discuss vis-a-vis the week that was. What's going on, brother? Well, there's a lot going on. Uh, as uh, as usual, this is, uh, you know, the, the year or years, I guess it all is kind of blending into one of COVID and, and uh, a lot of changes in the workplace as a result. So talk about a few situations today. And uh, I, I very much welcome anyone who's listening to call in. Uh, we can chat about your uh, issues, your friends' issues anonymously. Uh, this is definitely the time to talk about any workplace issues that you or anyone you know has. So going back to a few situations that came across my desk over the last week, uh, the first one involved an individual who was working for a large company for about 10 years as a salesperson. And this is someone who's entitled to a base salary and also a significant bonus uh, based on both personal and corporate objectives being met. He gets his reviews at the end of the year, and then the bonus gets paid out in February. And really, I have to emphasize here, we're talking about a very significant bonus. It was equal to about 15% of his base salary. And, and so this is, this is something, of course, that he's been relying on has become part of what he uses to live. Uh, well, last week, he receives notice that his employment is being terminated. Uh, and he's given a fairly crummy severance offer of four months' pay. But even more astounding, the company tells him that because they've made the decision to terminate his employment right before the bonus payout date, he's no longer to receive that, entitled to receive that bonus because he won't be an employee by that date. And you really got to think about the unfairness of this situation, right? Because here you have someone who has worked very hard to ensure he achieves that bonus. He's motivated to go the extra mile uh, that he, so he can achieve that bonus. Obviously, the company benefits from that. And at the very same time, at the time that he's the most vulnerable, the company pulls the rug from underneath him. When he came to me, the first thing I told him is that the law recognizes this unfairness. And in most circumstances, that bonus is going to be payable even though he's not actively employed. That was the case here. And we're going to be negotiating both his bonus and his severance package because in these circumstances, he's also potentially owed up to about 12 uh, months of his pay as wow. severance and uh, his prorated bonus throughout that period. So really, there's, there's two bonuses here, right? There's the bonus for the time that he earned and the bonus the, for the lost opportunity that he had to, to earn because they terminated his employment. So there's a, there's a few important lessons for employees here. Firstly, don't let your employer get away with not paying you a, a commission or a bonus that is due right after they terminate your employment. You've just lost your primary source of income. That's when you are going to need this money the most. And the law does protect you in those circumstances. The other thing that I will mention is that if you are presented with an employment contract, one of the things that you want to watch out for is any language limiting your entitlement to a bonus at the time of termination, which is yet another reason to ensure that you review any employment agreement with an experienced employment lawyer before you sign, not not after. That is something it's easier to negotiate prior to getting employed rather than in midstream. Chances are it's not going to happen at that point, right? 
Yeah, well, because you think about it, in midstream, the employer really has no motivation to negotiate that. What benefit can you offer them, right? So the only time that midstream employment, you're really going to have an opportunity to negotiate that is, for example, if you have a promotion, right? So if you have a promotion and you're getting a salary raise and maybe they're presenting a new employment contract to you at that time, if you've signed off on some of these terms, that would be a good time to try and fix that and make it uh, more fair for you. So what else you got going on, pal? The second situation I wanted to talk about, John, is someone who was let go after being employed for 18 years as a branch manager, which is a job that he was promoted to about six years ago. And at the time he was let go, he was in his mid-50s and was earning around $100,000 per year. So after so many years given to the company, you would expect they would offer him something that reflected that. Yet what is he given? He's offered six months' pay. And the company says to him, if you sign this release, we're so generous, we'll give you an extra two weeks. Well, as it turns out, the company's justification for offering him so little is that he signed an employment agreement six years ago when he was received his promotion. And the company relied on that termination clause in saying that he was, in fact, only entitled to the statutory minimum amounts under the Employment Standards Act. And, of course, now in hindsight, he's mad at himself for signing it, having had no idea what that actually meant at the time. Right. The good news is he gave me a copy of that employment agreement, and it was apparent to me that this termination clause that was imposed on him, the one that he didn't understand, was actually completely illegal. It was not worth the paper that it was written on. That means that it effectively does not exist, and thankfully for this person, he still had his full entitlements. And for this person, that was about 20 months' pay. Wow. So this is someone who, is, who has not had to look for work for a long time particularly stressed out about having to do so in the COVID-19 environment. So we're going to help him get some financial security, and he's going to be glad uh, that he came to us. So for any employees that are listening, you should know that if you are being let go and your employer is relying on a termination clause on an employment agreement to offer you a low severance package, and you've gone on the severance pay calculator and you've confirmed that, in fact, this is a very low severance package, there is a good chance that clause has not been drafted uh, so give us a call and have us review it, and chances are we will be able to help you. So again, this this goes to show that that promotion letter uh, that I was mentioning a moment ago, it really cuts both ways, right? It's an opportunity perhaps for you to fix some terms that are very much lopsided uh, in favor of the company, but it's also a chance for the company to do the same to you. So you have to watch out for that. You know, you mentioned COVID-19 and tougher to get a job. Uh, would that be an angle that you could use to uh, enhance somebody's severance's availability of, of comparable work or work for that matter? Well, the law is 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 still catching up uh, on this point, and right. we are just starting now uh, to get some decisions um, that are, are dealing with this. And um, so far, um, there hasn't been a lot of decisions dealing with people uh, who were let go in the height of the pandemic. Uh, so, so far, what, what we're learning is that if you're, you're terminated uh, before uh, the uh, pandemic started and uh, then you're having trouble finding a job, that's not necessarily going to increase your severance package. Uh, but I do think that the courts are going to start to recognize that individuals whose employment was terminated in the midst of the pandemic right. um, are uh, are going to have a more difficult time finding a job. So, so far, you know, we don't know uh, for certain uh, exactly how the courts uh, have uh, are going to deal with this because it is a developing area of the law. But one thing is for sure. 
that because of the pandemic, it is going to be for many people, for maybe even for most people, uh, much more difficult to find a job than it normally was, which just makes the uh, the severance package you receive all the more important because your financial security is going to matter more than ever now. Everything you need to know about medical leaves, we'll get started on this with uh, before we got to take our first break here. Number one, how long can somebody be away from work for medical reasons? Well, see, a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions about this, John, because the Employment Standards Act has this set, you know, three days per calendar year. Uh, but that does not mean that if you are sick, you need to go into work. And of course, you know, particularly in the COVID-19 environment, as you know, consistent with the messages that we are getting from the government and from health authorities, if you are feeling sick, uh, n- you not only can you stay home, you really should stay home. You really need to stay home. Um, and uh, although you ha- you don't have a right to be paid during that time, um, you do have the right to get your to have your job back when you return and to apply for employment insurance in the meantime. The reality is is there is no set length of time that someone is um, allowed to be away uh, for medical uh, reasons because the Human Rights Code uh, protection applies to disabilities. Uh, disability is something that's defined very broadly and includes visible and invisible disabilities. It includes uh, physiological and psychological, physical and environmental um, disabilities. So um, you, what you should do is get a note. You may be able to do it over Zoom through a uh, uh, virtual service like Teladoc, uh, perhaps over the phone, um, and just just confirming that you have a valid medical reason for being away from work. And as long as you give that to your employer, um, that is uh, something that is going to protect your, your job. You just need to update your employer frequently. One thing that I always like to mention on this point is that uh, sick leave and disability benefits are not necessarily the same thing because if you're if you're under a short-term or a long-term disability policy, they're going to define disability very very narrowly, right? Usually they they say something along the lines of totally disabled, disabled from your occupation, disabled from any occupation. That's not the same thing as your ability to be away from work for a medical reason. That has to do with your ability to get compensation. Uh, from the private insurer for your disability. So don't get confused about that because some employers will say, well, you didn't qualify for short-term disability benefits, so obviously you're not sick. Well, no. I mean, it may mean that you don't qualify under the policy, although uh, as listeners of our disability law show know, that's not always the case either. Yeah. Um, often it's not. But it certainly does not mean that you have an obligation to go to work if you are genuinely not able to for medical reasons. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. John Pinkus, your uh, co-pilot for the remainder of the hour. If you have questions about employment rights, uh, this is your show. So we're right back at it. Everything you need to know about medical leaves. John, does an employer have the right to ask an employee for their medical information and a diagnosis? Diagnosis? No, not a diagnosis. So, uh, yes, they are entitled to ask for medical information to the extent they need it in order to accommodate that employee. So, if your employer gives you a letter and says, you know, I'd like to present this to your, you to present this to your doctor so that your doctor can comment on this, um, and you say no, 
uh, that is going to put your job in jeopardy and you may not be entitled to severance. So you don't want to do that. Uh, but you also have a right to um, limit the information that your employer is going to be entitled to get. So if your employers are asking really, really invasive questions, um, you know, it is legitimate to, to ask your employer, well, why, why is it that you need to know this? What, what is it about, you know, the exact nature of my, uh, you know, psychological illness, for example, that's going to right. actually help you accommodate me, as opposed to what kind of accommodations do they need in the workplace? Do they need a reduced work schedule? How long do you expect them to be off? When's the next assessment? Those are all perfectly legitimate Questions. So, for example, one thing that your, your employer may do is send what's called a functional abilities form to get information about the nature of the restrictions you have, uh, and it can be quite a bit of detail, what accommodations might be necessary and, and how long you'll expect to be off. So if you get something like that, that is something you should absolutely uh, comply with to share with your doctor. Um, in rare cases, your employer may even be able to request an independent medical examination, um, but that's something uh, that they can only do if there's conflicting medical information. So uh, this is going to be the, more the exception rather than the rule. So if your employer is asking you to do uh, an independent medical examination, know that this is something pretty extraordinary. It can apply in certain circumstances, but you may want to speak to an employment lawyer if you're not comfortable with so generally speaking, they can ask you, you know, how long do you think you're going to be off as opposed to saying, you know, is it a busted ankle or are you getting chemotherapy? That they have no right to. Well, I, I, I think that, you know, to the, to the extent that they want to know the general nature of what's going on, right. um, that, that I think is, is fair, right? So, for example, if the nature of your, uh, if the nature of your illness or disability is uh, physiological as opposed to psychological, that may impact what they need to do to accommodate you. If it's physiological, then, you know, you may have lifting or standing or sitting um, right. restrictions as opposed to uh, physiological, which may change the, uh, you know, the amount of time that you can work or the kinds of work that, that, that you can do. So th there is a, s a certain baseline of information they're entitled to, but it really is, you know, what we would call a need-to-know basis here help at employmentlawyer.ca that's the email address talking about everything you need to know about medical leaves what happens to an employer's job while they're on medical leave whether it's a short or lengthy uh, departure for a while do they have to regularly update their employer on their condition what kind of uh, what kind of regularities uh, is recommended anyway well the uh, the first thing that you should know is that your employer does have an obligation to hold your job or if that job no longer exists by the time ready to come back to try to search for a reasonably comparable job. Now, there are going to be certain situations, and they are rare, but there are certain situations where over the course of a medical leave, if it's a very long medical leave, for example, that your job may not be uh, around at the time that you come back. There may not be a comparable job at the time that you come back. And as long as that has nothing to do with your medical leave, for example, as long as they didn't get rid of that job because you took a medical leave, there may not be very much that you can do about that. And if that's the case and they have a job that's not comparable, then that may be the one that you need to take. Uh, but if there is anything that is even remotely comparable that's available at the time that you're able to come back, your employer does have a duty under the Human Rights Code to place you back in that um, position. Now, as for the second part of your question, you know, do you have to regularly update your employer on your condition? Yes, the employee has what's called a duty to cooperate. And that means regularly updating your employer. I would say as a general rule of thumb, at a minimum every few weeks, every three to six weeks, you should be sending your 
your employer a note either to, to give them an updated medical note or to tell them when you're seeing your, your doctor next. If you don't do this and you disappear for months and months at a time, there's a danger that your employer may allege that you've abandoned your employment and you just don't want to be in that kind of dispute with them. So really keep levels of communication open and make sure to do so by email so if there's ever a dispute, you have the evidence later on to back up. How, long, how does that... Uh... How does that work as far as lengthy illness and frustration of contract, the, the, that term, when you, when you know you're not going to be coming back or it's been really long? Well, uh, in terms of frustration of contract, so we should, we should uh, tell our listeners what we mean by that, of course, yeah. is that, that a frustration of contract is um, a very Im- important concept, which is when the employment has become impossible, right? You've been away for so long uh, that it's simply, it's not due to anyone's fault, but the employment relationship just, it, it, it can't continue at all. Um, and that can happen under a number of circumstances. The first and probably the biggest red flag is, are you under long-term disability benefits, right? If you're under long-term disability benefits, um, then, and, and those are continuing, um, then the, and, and they were accepted by the insurer, then the insurer has uh, basically accepted um, that you are going to be out of work for a very extended period of time, potentially for, for the foreseeable future. So that's going to be the first red flag that the law is going to look at to see whether um, the employment has been frustrated. If you're not on long-term disability benefits, it's really going to be a question of um, what uh, you know what has happened uh, that uh, is going to help indicate whether your whether there's any chance of you coming back, and it's going to come back to your medical information. It's not a set length of time. It is certainly not a two-year period. That's a common myth that uh, probably has been associated with the fact that uh, uh, that's when uh, many short-term disability policies switch to long-term disability. But for the, for the purpose of, of your employment, there is no two-year deadline, like you're away for two years and your employment is frustrated. It doesn't work like that. It is very, very fact-specific. So if your employer has t- taken that position and you think, well, actually, I am planning on returning to work at some point, hopefully – maybe in the next year, then they may have just wrongfully terminated your employment, and that's when you should give us a call. one 821 5900 So if someone's uh, not approved for LTD disability coverage, uh, LTD, I guess, or STD for that matter, or their claim is cut off, what's the next step? Well, that, the good news here, John, is as, as you mentioned before, we've got a show coming right up uh, that will deal with this yeah. extensively. Uh, so you're going to want to speak to uh, a disability lawyer, uh, someone like, you know, at our firm, uh, firm uh, Savan or James or Tamar, uh, who can help you navigate those issues. Um, and, and you do really want to focus on getting your uh, LTD coverage. Do not return to work if you're not able to work. Follow the advice of your doctor. Um, again, if you have not been approved uh, for coverage uh, and your claim uh, has been uh, cut off, uh, that's the time uh, to give uh, one of our lawyers uh, a call. Again, we've got many uh, great uh, disability lawyers uh, at ST Law who deal with these issues on a regular basis and those are the people you want to speak to. There's also pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. I want to mention that website, free, anonymous. You can go there. There is tons of employment law information on that website. And for many years, we were promoting the severance pay calculator to tell you exactly what you're owed from your employer. Really handy tool, simple to use. That has been rolled into pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So 
at your uh, leisure, you can stroll over to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca and check that. I don't want to get to uh, to Mark. Thank you for uh, doing the show this morning. I'm enjoying it so far. You bet. Uh, I just had a quick question for you. Um, I currently have an employment agreement in place. I've been had it for about four years now. Um, I'm happy with it, but it seems that there might be a new one that's going to have to be uh, signed uh, in the near future here. Um, I was just wondering if I'm not happy with the terms of the new employment agreement. However, I don't want to go the constructive dismissal route. Like, I do want to stay employed. Uh, do I have any other recourse that I can pursue uh, in the meantime? Well, this is actually, Mark, uh, it's a very good question. This is not a situation where we would need to ever think about constructive dismissal for the simple reason that your employer cannot force you to sign a new employment agreement. Right? You really have to think about that. If your employer is presenting you with something, and this goes not just for employment agreements, but anything, you know, sometimes they ask you to sign a memo saying you agree with something. If they're presenting something to you and asking for your signature, it is because they know they need your consent to do it, right? And if you don't agree, then you don't agree. Uh, you don't have to agree to change the terms of your employment. So if they present you with an employment agreement and it's, you know, 20 pages long and it includes all this language about termination and you are very justifiably worried about that. Uh, and, and we're going to see a lot of this right now because employers are trying to fix up their employment agreements and you're not comfortable with signing, then you shouldn't sign. Now, what's the consequence of that? The consequence of that is your employer may terminate your employment. It's, it's possible they will. But if they terminate your employment because you do not sign an employment agreement, that is a without cause dismissal. They are going to owe you a severance package. And, you know, some people hear that and they say, well, you know what, I really don't want to lose my job, um, so I want to sign this employment agreement. And, in fact, the ironic thing is the best way that you can protect your job in many cases is not to sign that employment agreement because if they are asking you to sign something that, for example, contains termination language or, or you know, restrictions on your bonus when you get low – uh, get let go, it's because they're planning on potentially using that and potentially in the foreseeable future, right? Potentially over the next few months or the next year. They can let you go anyway. So at least if you haven't signed that, you have um, you've saved your rights. And the other thing is that by doing that, you may have just become one of the most expensive people at the company to let go because you haven't agreed to a restriction on uh, your rights. So of course, it depends what's what's in there. And I always recommend that before you make any decisions, um, that you you know you have a quick chat with an employment lawyer to go over it. It may be completely innocuous. It may not be something to worry about. Um, but this is not a situation where you'd have to actually claim constructive dismissal. You simply say, thanks, but no thanks, and you let the employer do what they need to do. Okay, great. And in your experience, is there any way for a lawyer to be involved in any negotiation with the employer to kind of change some of the terms so that it's not you know, a, a huge thing to benefits or, or severance or things like that? Or is that typically just a yes or no type conversation? Uh, sometimes employers w uh, lawyers will intervene. Um, often it makes the most sense for lawyers to sort of intervene in the background. So you make a proposal, you know, your employer comes back, and then you, you, know, you take it to an employment lawyer uh, who can uh, review it and, and, and make some commentary on uh, what you might want to propose in exchange. So it's not always necessary for an employment lawyer to, to intervene directly in those situations. Uh, but you would do that if, you know, generally speaking, you're interested in the terms, there's some benefit to you that you are interested in getting and signing this new employment agreement, and you're just worried about some of the language. Um, and so certainly, uh, you know, maybe not in the foreground, but definitely in the background, you can have an employment lawyer, and it's often a good idea to do that. 
Okay. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I hope you both have a great day. You're very welcome. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate uh, appreciate the call and your time as well. Want to reach out to uh, to John, have a further conversation. No problem. You can do that. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Julie, stand by. I see you there. Uh, we'll get to a uh, Jewel. Pardon me. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Jewel, thank you uh, so much for standing by. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. My question is that when someone gets fired or someone gets laid off, both eligible for uh, severance package, uh, depending, of course, at the time they they work. That's my uh, actual question. Your question is, are you eligible for severance depending on the time that you worked, if you're fired or laid off? Yeah, I mean, usually, you know, if you're working less than 10 years, obviously the severance package is going to be higher than than if someone is only working one year. What is the difference, uh, laid off and permanent laid off and and, uh, fired, for example? Okay, so, well, okay, so a few things in there. So... Uh, first thing I can tell you, Jewel, is, is I think this is um, – you'll, you'll find a lot of helpful information, uh, probably more than we'll have time to discuss on Pocket Employment Lawyer uh, that, that John's often discussing. But to, to give you sort of the basics, you know, when we're talking about a severance package, we're looking at more than just uh, your length of service. We're also looking at your age, the kind of position you had, the kind of income you were earning, the availability of you know, similar uh, kind of employment uh, – at the time that you're let go. So there's a lot of factors we look at and what the law is interested in is how long should your employer have reasonably expected that you could take to find a job. Now in terms of uh, being uh, fired um, versus being um, temporarily laid off, if that's what you're talking about, uh, if you have not agreed to temporary layoffs as part of your employment, the law says the general rule is that that is to be treated the same. So that is also uh, an instance where uh, you're going to want to talk to an employment lawyer if you haven't been offered a severance package. Uh, but you know, are you eligible for severance when you are uh, let go? Are you laid off? I mean, outside of very exceptional circumstances, yes, absolutely you are. That's the time uh, to give us a call um, if, uh, if you're in that situation. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're very Thank welcome. you, Jewel. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the phone call and your time this morning. Here's how you reach out to have a further, deeper uh, discussion with John, a member of his team, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. By the way, anytime you can go there, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Fantastic website for all of your employment law questions and, uh, and needs. Everything you need to know about medical leaves, here we go. What should an employer do when they are uh, employee, uh, rather do when they're ready to uh, return to work from medical leave? Could be a short one or a long one, but they think it's about time, and they have doctor's approval that they can go back to work. Well, that's the key. I mean, if you right. get doctor's imp- approval, you get that note from your doctor stating that yes, you know, we're fit to go back to work, and then you tell the company right away. Um, if you have some restrictions, your doctor should note the, those restrictions and note them in detail, not just what those restrictions are, uh, but the length that those restrictions are likely to last and perhaps when you are going to be having your next appointment. So um, do that. Do it in writing. Do it by email. And then hopefully you'll, you'll be back to work before you know it. 
And then what happens if the employer won't allow that employee to come back to work? Right. Well, you know, as I mentioned, John, there are certain situations where the employer genuinely cannot return you back to work. I mean, these are these are going to be very rare because this is a situation where the job doesn't exist. There's no comparable jobs that exist. There's no jobs that you can do, period, that exist. They just don't have a place for you anywhere. Now, if that happens, then your employer can tell you, well, we don't have a job for you, and I'm, I'm sorry, but that's, you know, that's the end of it, in which case um, your, your employment has basically become frustrated. Um, but uh, in that case, you're still going to be entitled to severance, but it's, just going, to, but it's going to be very little um, if they can never bring you back. Or they may say, we, we want to bring you back, but we just can't do it right now, in which case you, you have to stay on your medical leave. But most of the time, a refusal to allow an employee to work for, to return to work from a disability is going to be a termination and is going to be a human rights violation. You know, we're, we're looking very carefully to see if there's any positions or comparable positions available. And if those positions are available and the employer says no, um, then uh, that's, that's where they're going to have this exposure and you're going to have that entitlements. You know, there's also the question of, do you have any accommodation needs, needs that would be undue hardship for the employer to meet? So, for example, you know, I always, I always use this. Are you asking for a slightly reduced schedule? Um, are you asking for slightly different duties? Or are you asking for the employer to, you know, retrofit their entire office right. uh, because of your condition, right? So, you know, in that latter example, that, that could actually jeopardize the employer's whole operation uh, and could be undue hardship. But that's the kind of standard we're talking about. We're talking about something that really threatens their viability as a business. Uh, so employers like to throw around that word undue hardship a lot, but it, it's actually a very tough standard to meet. If, if, if it does meet that standard, what are the obligations to the employer and employee at that point? Do they get full severance? No. I mean, if, if, you, if your condition has gotten to the point where it's so um, cumbersome to try and um, make the job fit your um, disability right. that it's impossible, that employment has now become frustrated and your entitlement is going to be the minimum amount of severance. So that's going to be the kinds of things that you hear from the Ministry of Labor. That's going to be one of those very few circumstances where the Ministry of Labor is um, uh, giving you the accurate severance information. In every other circumstance, of course, uh, the Ministry of Labor is, is only giving you part of the story and you have to go to severance pay calculator to understand your full entitlements and speak to us to understand your full entitlements. But this is an exception. If it's become impossible to return to work, then it's just going to be that minimum amount. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. That email address, of course, you use anytime. And pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is a, a good website as well. Want to get to one or two employment law questions, the most common ones you get asked uh, almost on a daily basis, John, before we get into a short break here. Uh, most common one, uh, one of them is, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. Can my employer terminate my employment? Or why did I just get terminated? I didn't do anything wrong. Right. Well, this, this comes down to a very common misconception about the, the term wrongful dismissal. Right? Right. A lot of people are under the impression that wrongful dismissal means that it was wrong for the employer to let me go. I was a good employee. I performed. And, and actually, that in and of itself is not a wrongful dismissal. If your employer lets you go and pays you a fair severance package, even if they had no good reason to let you go, that is a, a, a right the employer has. They can do it for almost any reason as long as it's not uh, something that violates uh, a statute like the Human Rights Code or you know, Occupational Health and Safety Act or something like that. As long as it doesn't violate a statute, they can really do it for any reason they want. They just have to pay you the proper severance. Let's get into that break as mentioned and we'll return. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. 
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're going to get to a couple more of these and some of the most common employment law questions you get, John, on a uh, weekly, if not a daily basis. Basic one, Employment Law 101, how much severance do I get? Right. Well, we had a call earlier from Jewel about this. Uh, very important question, very common question. Um, and the place to go for that is uh, severancepaycalculator.com or Pocket Employment Lawyer. Uh, that's the place to start. You know, we're going to look at your age, uh, your position, your years of service, your rate of compensation, anything else that impacted you at the time that you were let go. Were you pregnant at the time of termination? Were you subject to a non-compete at the time of termination? Are you somewhere, uh, are you in an industry where it is particularly difficult to find work right now? This is not a mathematical exercise. So at the end of the day, you really do want to talk to one of us uh, and find out where you're likely, your entitlements are likely to fall. Uh, But definitely start with the severance pay calculator. Start with the pocket employment lawyer because those are are free apps. uh, And you can see sort of range of, of where you should fall. Yeah, really easy, uh, totally anonymous. It'll take about 30 seconds to run through that particular exercise, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, as John mentioned, to find that uh, that particular tool. I have to accept a severance offer by a certain date. That's what it says on the bottom of my package. Uh, what should I do? Well, every termination letter is going to have a deadline, every single one. And the reason for that deadline is because your employer really wants you to sign that release. You know, a lot of people look at a severance package and they say, well, you know, my, my employer is offering this. They say it's generous, um, and they are uh, they're telling me that um, they think it's fair. Uh, so uh, what, what will happen if, if I don't sign it by the uh, – by this date, are they going to uh, are they going to take away my severance? And the reality is, is that they're not offering you a gift. Um, typically, what what's going on here is they're proposing a deal. They really want you to sign that release. That's a value to them. So speak to an employment lawyer right away because the deadline really only matters if you're going to accept that severance offer. And most of the time, in fact, I would say the vast majority of time. Uh, that severance offer is probably not going to be good enough for you to accept. So speak with us before you make that decision. Another one here, the most common employment law questions that uh, John gets uh, quite regularly, and that is I've tried to come back after disability leave, but I was told there's no job for me. Is that even legal? We kind of talked about this a bit, right? We did. We did touch on it. So I'll I'll just touch on it briefly again. Again, it may be the case that your employer has eliminated the position. may be the case that they have nothing else comparable for you, but they're still going to owe you a severance package if they're never able to bring you back. It may not be your full entitlements, but um, if they don't, uh, if if they've simply eliminated your position, uh, in that case, it'll be your full entitlements. If it's because they're not able to uh, accommodate you, it may just be your minimum severance entitlements. But either way, you're, you're going to be entitled to something. Um, so uh, give us a call because at that point, it may not just be a wrongful dismissal case. It may also be a human rights case. Let me get to uh, one more before we get down to some emails here, and that is uh, my employer uh, is trying to or did make significant changes to my job. Can they do that? Well, that uh, that really depends what kind of change, and, and uh, the law will decide whether that change is really significant. Some changes are so significant that you can treat that change as a dismissal and seek a severance package. So uh, one uh, example of that uh, is a reduced uh, salary. Sometimes it can be a 
jobs transfer, a demotion, a significant change in hours, but there's no set rule for these things. It really is case-specific, and that's why you need to speak to an employment lawyer because many changes to your position will not be constructive dismissal, even if they seem significant to you. Uh, and if it's not a constructive dismissal and you leave, that is a resignation, which is why it is very, very important to have a an in-depth consultation with one of us before you decide to leave your job because taking the position of a constructive dismissal uh, can be a very risky thing to do. You have to be careful. Let's get to uh, an email. This one from Michelle arrived this morning from uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Michelle says, hey, John, I was fired for cause for posting something offensive on social media. Is this right? And am I owed severance? Boy, I, I hate saying maybe uh, to, to, yeah. to questions, John, but the answer to this one really is maybe. Uh, one of the things that we're going to be looking at is what kind of job uh, did uh, Michelle have? Was she someone who was representing the organization? Is she someone who, if uh, this comes to light, it's it's going to be uh, considered representative of the organization? And, of course, the other thing is what what uh, how offensive was it that she posted on social media? Is there any connection to her job uh, of what she posted on social media? Uh, off-duty conduct can get you in hot water, so you really have to be careful about that. For example, you know, a lot of people heard about that nurse uh, who uh, was uh, fired for cause after uh, speaking at the um, anti-mask, uh, anti-lockdown rally because yeah. that was inconsistent with what the uh, hospital she was working at was um, – promoting and the mandate they were working under so you really do have to keep in mind that um, your your conduct uh, doesn't uh, stop mattering after you've left the workplace if you're doing it publicly and if you're posting it on social media you might as well be broadcasting it on TV right depending on your privacy settings so be very careful with that that being said Michelle in that situation uh, if they haven't paid you severance give us a call because there are still situations where you're you're going to be on severance there Michelle, just in case you didn't catch it earlier, that number to reach out to John and the team, one 821 5900 Let's get down to uh, to Jason. says, guys, what are my rights as a contractor if I'm let go? I'm not on payroll and submit invoices. Well, uh, the real question here is going to be, um, are you an employee and are you dependent on them? And if the answer to either of those questions is yes, you are going to be entitled to a severance package. And in fact, you're going to be entitled to the same severance package as if they had put you on payroll and as if they had paid you as an employee with all the applicable deductions. So, uh, Jason, if you are let go, even though you are paid as a contractor, you still have protection. You still have the right to get financial security until you can find your next job, unless you are truly in business for yourself, truly independent number of different clients in that case you know as an independent contractor when the contract ends it just ends but that's the time to give us a call so we can determine which of these uh, categories you fall into and finally we'll uh, get barbara's email in here quickly before we go barbara says guys how do i know whether i'm entitled to overtime well uh one of the ways that you can do is this is one of the few times that going on the ministry of labor's website is appropriate because you'll right. see there's there's a, an exemption tool that you can find you know some of the common examples are IT professionals uh, and uh, managers uh, and supervisors um, and uh, you know other kinds of professionals uh, that um, that are expected to work over and beyond the regular kind of nine to five work day but a lot of people are called something you know they're called a manager they're called an IT professional in fact when you get down to when you peel away the onion they're not those things at all uh, in reality 
case. So just because your employer is calling you something doesn't mean that you will fit one of those exemptions. So mm -hmm. uh, if you go on the Ministry of Labor and you say, oh, that's, you know, that's the job title I've been given, but I don't think that's actually what I'm doing here. That's just the job title. Then chances yeah. are you're actually still going to be entitled to overtime. Look, we're going to leave it there. If you want to reach out now to John or Lior, a member of the team, it's really simple. Here's how you do it. Suggest you do, even if there's something you're just wondering about. Don't uh, don't remain in the dark. It's one 821 5900 the number. The website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, is awesome. And the email address, help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.